Welcome to All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time. Our show offers a friendly conversation with inspiring individuals in the autism community. All Autism Talk is brought to you by the Learn It family of companies, including Autism Spectrum Therapies, Trellis Services, and Desert Choice Schools, helping all children succeed in school and life. Now, here is your host, Rob Haupt. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Autism Talk. I'm your host, Rob Haupt. I'm vice president over at Autism Spectrum Therapies, part of the Learn It family of companies. Um, and we provide ABA services to individuals with autism and other development disabilities all across the country. Um, really excited to be back. Um, have another great show for you guys today. Um, kind of piggybacking on our last show where we're really looking a little bit more at that adult transition, teenage transition age, which, you know, is is such a big issue for so many of our listeners, so many people in the community, um, because, you know, in the last 15 years, we've made a lot of progress. We've diagnosed a lot of people. Um, we've got resources, services, help to a lot of people. Um, but so much of the resources out there are only for our little ones. So it's really a great opportunity to hear a little bit more about what else is going on out there. Um, you know, with that said, I want to do a little, a little shameless self-promotion and talk a little bit about something we're doing. Um, here in Southern California, we actually have a speaker who we're going to be um, providing to the community um, in Long Beach, California, and Burbank, California, um, uh, Hannah Rue. And Hannah is our Director of Research, Training, and Development, who um, also used to be um, the director over at the National Standards Project. And one of the reasons why we want to bring her out here, one of the benefits, I think, for everyone is that um, the National Standards Project actually did research on outcomes, on quality measures of all of the different a- autism treatments. I almost said ABA, but it's way more. They looked at way more than just ABA. They looked at all the different interventions out there being done, did research on all of them to say which one's work, which ones are effective, and which ones are the most effective. Um, And they were able to publish two different studies um, with their results, with their outcomes, and um, have made these public to the entire community. Um, What's really great about this is, you know, they've done the in-depth medical research that a lot of insurance companies had asked for, a lot of schools had asked for, a lot of just entities all across the, the funding landscape, the, the legislative landscape were looking for to help show what they should fund. But what's really great about this, what's really great about the, the research they've done from a parent perspective or even from a provider perspective is it kind of gives us a bit of a, a pure form of what should treatment look like? What, what should a child's treatment package look like? You know, we talk about that idea of treatment package, and, and that just really means all the different things that a child is getting from a, a therapeutic point of view. It could be ABA in conjunction with OT and speech and school. Um, maybe it's PT. Um, other people are using uh, psychotherapy as part of their intervention. Some people are using um, different social interventions out there. Um, and, and there's a whole host of other things. Um, but what they really looked at is these different treatments, and it gives us that sense of what's that best option. And as a parent, you can look at that and say, well, is that, does that work for me? You know, here's the pure form. Here's this best possible package. 
does that work for me? Do I like that? Does that meet my child? And if you say, you know, that's great, but it only really meets about 80% of my child. You know, 80% of that's what, what, what we need, what we're looking for. Well, now it gives you that guidepost to say, okay, now let me design 80% of that or 50%. Now let me design 50% of that. Um, it also gives you the foundation of sitting in an IEP, talking to your insurance company, sitting down with maybe a state funding entity to say, hey, here is the justification for why my kid needs this. My child has the following needs as prescribed by this doctor, and here is research to show that these programs as prescribed by my doctor work. That is a huge and powerful argument for any parent to make. So there's a lot of great information um, that can really come out of this type of research, and, and we're hoping to give from a presentation like this. So if you're in the L.A. area in Long Beach or Burbank, um, please definitely check this out. I think it's going to be a really great presentation. Hannah is an excellent speaker and um, has been you know, seeing so many different sides of the research that uh, I think she's going to be a wealth of information for everybody. Well, let's get back to today's show and, and talk a little bit about um, adult services and uh, transition services. So today I'm joined by uh, Dan McMinnman, and Dan is the president at the College Internship Program. Um, and Dan uh, has been the president there um, for a number of years, um, and his dad actually founded uh, the College Internship Program back in 1984. Uh, Dan grew up in Western Massachusetts with four sisters, six foster brothers, and adopted brother. And as I said, his father, Michael, founded uh, CIP in 1984, um, as well as um, is a, an individual with Asperger's um, who was diagnosed in his late 50s. Um, Dan is a member of Autism Asperger's Network, Learning Disabilities Association of America, the Autism Society of America, and the Young Presidents Organization. He's co-authored work on Framing, um, which was published in the Autism File magazine, and he is currently working on Autism and LD, an active learning teaching toolkit, uh, which is uh, actually just released, uh, I believe, within the last few months. Dan, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Rob. I appreciate your having me on the show. So, you know, you're you're the president of the College Internship Program, um, and I'm sure this is a new program to to a lot of our listeners. Um, so, tell us a little bit about it. Like, how, what's the program? How did it get started? The program started over 32 years ago here in uh, Western Mass, where I'm based out of um, at our national office. And since then, we've um, expanded to five different locations. So we're out near you guys in California. Indiana, Florida, um, and uh, also in Northern California. Um, but what we do really is we're a comprehensive transition program for young adults ages 18 to 26, um, focusing on helping students be successful in college, independent living, and in the world of employment. So how do you guys, uh, so, you know, go about prepping all of that? Because it's, you know, there's so much there, you know, when you think about, you know, college readiness and employment and independent living. Like, um, do kids or do the individuals kind of go into, like, uh, services at their home? Is it that they're coming onto a campus? How's that all structured? Um, yeah, so the students, when they first enroll, they live in uh, apartment living. It's a su supported apartment living situation with other students in the program. So it's a residential living component. They um, attend about 20 to 30 hours of services and supports through CIP Center, 
And mm-hmm. on top of that, they're attending internships, and um, about half are going to college locally to pursue a degree. So the it's sort of a blend between what you would anticipate on a college campus, but there's mm-hmm. far more um, real-life supports built in, so students pay yeah. their bills, they have roommates, they um, are involved in volunteering internships, building up um, experience in a variety of areas while having a safety net in terms of uh, a team of staff who can help them be successful in the areas that um, they're interested in. It's very individualized in that sense. Gotcha. You know, I'm kind of curious. You mentioned, you know, they, they start off, they enroll in uh, in the program. They're part of um, – they live in an apartment. You know, is that um, – is the building something um, – you guys own is that um, something where like it's only people living there who are part of the program or is there a mixture of people who are part of the program living in the apartment building as well as people who maybe like either work or don't have any involvement in the program yeah each each center has a little bit different of a flavor depending on their setting so here in western massachusetts um the small town of lee massachusetts has between five and six thousand people, and uh, the housing is uh, student housing is mixed within uh, houses in the community. So they each have their own rooms. They nice. share common space. They share all those responsibilities. Um, their neighbors are are you know other members of society living close by. Um, some of our other centers where they're more urban in Berkeley and Bloomington, Indiana. Those mm-hmm. programs are um, the students reside within apartment buildings usually and. Again, mm-hmm. they're sort of interspersed with other members of the community. So um, they're dealing with the same things that anyone out there, um, you know, living more independently is going, going to deal with in terms of noise levels, in terms of how to advocate, um, how to have good relations with your neighbors, all those factors. Uh, so it's structured mm-hmm. very much as if they were paying their bills, they're paying their rent. They're, um, you know, managing their households, all those aspects. Um, the difference is that you kind of have that hybrid college focus and you have the right. um, comprehensive CIP services all um, wrapped around that sort of supported living structure. That's awesome. That's really cool. And so I'm assuming to then mimic that college experience, the um, like their roommates or other people enrolled in the program just like you would at college where like your roommate is another student at your university. Exactly. Yeah. So, so part of the, the uniqueness of what CIP does is you, you bring together a, a group of like-minded individuals. There's a peer group mm-hmm. that a lot of our students didn't have prior to coming into a place like CIP. So um, yeah. often they've dealt with some, some anxiety, some bullying, some, you know, lack of social connections in general, and for the first time, they come into a, a group and they're able to make friends and they have common interests. So that inner circle of the CIP community is sort of the starting point for our students. And then our job mm-hmm. is to branch them out into the community to get them more further integrated. So they have their life on the college campus. Um, they have their life in the employment settings. And we do a ton of weekend activities and volunteering. And really our, our whole focus is helping them develop for themselves the skills to be successful in their next steps. Um, So it's very much um, kind of a continuum of growth process where Mm -hmm. they have to overcome a lot of the challenges that they've had through their life in 
usually at this yeah. age range, it's pretty critical step in that process. So um, a lot of times they're going from a little bit of self-understanding um, to self-acceptance with us, understanding their diagnosis, mm-hmm. what it really means to them. And, you know, we're trying to push them all the way down to be self-determined individuals who are going to have uh, skill set and confidence to make decisions, to pursue uh, things that they're passionate about in their future as they leave, um, because mm-hmm. they have the whole rest of their lives ahead of them. And, uh, you know, we have a, just a year or two, often up to three years with the student to really start to make that shift. So that's primarily what we do is, is on a deeper mm-hmm. level. And then, you know, tactically, yeah. we're we're really um, focused comprehensively as far as giving the students those individual services so that they can do that effectively and learn from their their challenges and their failures and pick up the pieces and, and move that much farther ahead each time. I'm, I'm curious, and, and, and I think you said this, but I, w- I want to make sure I, I understood the whole program. You know, the you know, you guys are essentially replicating the college experience. So are you creating like your own like college campus in a way at your own center, or do you guys have partnerships with any local like university or institution where you're able to kind of do like a program within the program? It's pretty um, separated all in all. So we do a lot of tutorials. We, we, help the students um, with the direction that they're going as far as their academic degree program goes. But our goal really is to integrate them onto the campus community to get them to take advantage of the services through the DSPS offices and um, Mm. to sort of help them navigate that process. We try not to interfere with what the colleges are doing in that sense. And we try to work through the students um, to to for them to really take control and to um, get integrated there. And that can be a challenge initially because it's not our students' comfort zone and um, it takes a little time. So we've been able to support students a little bit better on campus, um, but mm-hmm. primarily we do offer uh, tutorials at our centers and we offer study halls. So we're wrapping around gotcha. those supports most of our students are going um, fairly limited basis, taking maybe two college courses at a time is most common. Um, so balancing all of their college classes with their CIP work and their employment and their social life and roommates, all those aspects kind of happen in tandem. Sure. So it's really kind of like a transition, you know, it's almost the way I kind of think of it is like, um, uh, you know, I think about like uh, the the non-public school system or, or some of the private schools where, you know, the goal is to kind of like almost reintegrate the student back into the gen ed environment. If we're looking at younger students where maybe it's they start off with uh, 20% gen ed, 80% in like this specialized setting, you then transition to maybe, you know, 40-60, 50-50, and it sounds like, you know, as they're benefiting from that one to year, two or one to three years, I think you said of CIP, they transition more and more ideally into like the general university experience and environment. Yeah, yeah, most commonly, and and again, the college academics is just a, a piece of all this because really the end sure. goal is is them to hold a job, so. You know, right. we look at it individually where some families and the students themselves really want that. They they want the college, the classic college experience, whereas others 
they're looking for a means to, to the end, which is a job and having, you know, gotcha. a, a polished resume. So really we're working with them individually based on the direction they're trying to go. And okay. we offer a, a variety of services under one roof from academics to employment, uh, an employment department, social skills, health and wellness. There's some um, CBT therapy offered. So we're able to, cool. to craft an individualized program for them, um, really working with the same profile of students in general um, mm-hmm. on the autism spectrum with learning differences, ADHD, um, dysgraphia, dyscalculia, all, all these different learning differences potentially. A lot of our students have kind of a, a mix of both. But um, mm-hmm. a similar population that's underserved in many ways has a higher level of social needs, has a higher level of um, executive functioning needs that doesn't allow them to be essentially productive without a good amount of support to help them move forward. So many come from a, a failed college experience or um, gotcha. you know a, a high school that where they know they're going to need this kind of support to go forward. So. Um, it's unique in that way versus um, really we're, we're a standalone program, but we're integrating them into these different environments as they're with us. And you know, yeah. some go on to further their college experience and their education and some go on to jobs. Um, but the vast majority, what they're gaining from us is really uh, confidence and skill set that they um, didn't receive, you know, through osmosis like most other typical developing young adults do. They learn the social skills to navigate the world of work. They learn the study skills, and they have, you know, the EF abilities to to manage college and life. And our students need to be explicitly taught those things. So that's the beauty of it is being able to teach those things while they're doing, which is. You know, high, on the learning pyramid is much, much more effective for way more people than trying to teach too much in a classroom sure. and, and not in context. So we're putting a lot right, of these yeah. things in context. Yeah. I mean, the hands-on approach you guys have to, to the learning, I, I have to assume the generalization of skills is just going to be so much higher because it's not just like in this isolated environment. You're really kind of like living and doing it every day. Um, and so you get to really kind of experience it. Yeah, yeah, and and it's for the first time too for the students. It's putting them in the driver's seat. So we do person-centered mm-hmm. planning right off the bat, and nice. what that is is really just their, their declaration of independence. So within the first couple of months in the program, they're standing presenting to their families and the staff what they want to do in their lives ten years down the road, five years down the road, and you know that is sometimes it can be a little bit unrealistic but it's important process to go through to for us to backwards plan and to break it out into smaller chunks so that they understand realistically um what they can do what they want to do and we understand where their passions lie where their interests lie who they rely on for supports so putting the students at this age and into the driver's seat where they've come in an earlier age just being um, just observing their education really and having their parents be their activity managers and um, really just advocating for them. This is a big shift that um, we do well and ideally should happen earlier and earlier in their education and their development if possible too. 
this sounds like such a great program, and it sounds, you know, kind of so much of what parents um, that I've spoken to are asking for, you know, the combination of the living experience combined with the uh, the work or university experience. Um, so how do, you know, how do students enroll and how do people find out about the program um, to see if, like, they can qualify and, and cover everything because, um, you know, I'm sure that's got to be a challenge is to, like, make sure you've got the right student who's the right fit for the program because obviously not, you know, everyone on the spectrum has, you know, their own needs and therefore potentially their own program that would work the best for them. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you think of autism in the ring alone is so wide, you know, that's part of the challenge is people don't, um, people don't always understand what we are and what we do because it's very non-traditional. They've never heard of anything like that. So, um, Mm we're not on the mainstream map in that way. And furthermore, because we've made a decision a long time ago that we wanted to take this comprehensive approach because we feel like this is what needs to happen for students. And this is most effective. And when you start to scale down the services, you are put in positions where students often need more and you're not able to do that for them by limiting what you're able Mm -hmm. to do. So we have the 24 seven on call support you know, we have so much face time with the students and a team of people and a good communication structure that connects all the dots. So um, we've created sort of a, a, a big comprehensive program that's very effective. And, you know, the limitations for that is cost can be high for families. We do have a lot of ways that um, that we can help with there. We do have a tuition assistance program. We um, do have regional center funding. We're vendored in California, which is huge for families. Um, we do have students who come in on school district funding, um, and the whole tuition is a medical tax deduction for many families as well. So, um, you know, it's it's a pretty specific profile of student that we work with. Um, you know, like I had mentioned, on the autism spectrum, with learning differences, mm-hmm. uh, low average to high intelligence, um, emotional, behavioral, psychological stability, Many of our students are pretty naive. They're not the type to act out. Um, they don't have substance abuse issues and, and things like that. So we're working with a highly capable population. And because it's such a close, tight-knit community of students, um, mm-hmm. that's been something that we've decided that we have to be specific about the students that enter into the community because it's – you know, there is quite a bit of variance, but you also need to be specific about who you serve and what you do best. And it seems right. counterintuitive, but it really creates um, really the kind of community that starts to thrive when you have these like-minded students in there who are mm-hmm. socially connected and spending really their day-to-day, week-to-week together through the course of, you know, 43 weeks a year or so. Um, right. So it's, yeah, it, it's, um, it's a great population to work with. Obviously, very challenging, but um, also so much potential in terms of uh, picking up those skills and putting them into practice and, you know, developing social connections that are going to last a lifetime and building your resume, all those skill sets so that when they do move on, they, you know, they may not land on their feet every time, but they know the process and they know how to get back there, which I think for everybody beyond 
just students with special needs. Um, it's the reality of what happens when you go out, you know, when you're an adult. It's it's not an easy journey for anybody. So. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, what you're saying, I, I what you're saying before about kind of like the community and the fit, you know, from a, I think from a, a therapy or services point of view, you're right. Like it's not necessarily what you think of right away. But like I think back to my college experience, and you know, they they preached a lot about those types of concepts of, you know, we're trying to create a community and we want to put, you know, it's not that we're all the same, but it's like we, we have, we all value certain things and we value the same things. And it's, it's about creating these, these bonds and these friendships. So like when you look at it from that point of view, that like college point of view, it, it makes a lot more sense of, of why that would be so effective. Um, Especially now, you know, so many years later, I mean, my closest friends are still the, the friends I made in college. You know, we're, we're the ones who get together for, you know, weddings and, and uh, baby showers and, uh, you know, annual, like, vacations together to catch up. And it's um, that type of community is just so valuable uh, when you create it at that, you know, that 18 to 22, 23 stage of life and, and a little bit beyond. Yeah, yeah, our students are still pretty cognizant of the fact that they they want friends and they want people with like personalities and so it yeah. you know it's it's one of those things where we we do accept a wide variety of individuals but not so much as some other programs. Sure. So our, our students are yeah. you know specifically with um on the autism spectrum or with a diagnosed learning difference and um mm-hmm. there are other other programs that would you know, you know, even even uh, individuals with TBI and things, there's slightly different set of needs there, and um, yeah, you know, students can present very similarly. But um, in terms of what we're teaching, it's very much geared towards the students on the spectrum or with learning differences right. as far as the social aspects and the EF aspects. And um, you know, so it's 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 an interesting program. I mean, just being a part of it, I've been through CIP obviously it's a it's a family business and I've been mm-hmm. involved for 11 years now and when I first got involved I learned a ton about myself through the students um I grew up with four sisters and you know I sort of needed my my moment in the spotlight from that experience alone yeah. and um you know and I got involved in the business kind of by accident I I wasn't anticipating being involved in the business back then um, I wanted to run my own business. I was involved in marketing and, um, you know, I had a knee injury that sort of led me into CIP and, and very part-time work. And I worked residentially directly with the students. And from day one, you know, it was, I had grown up with students my whole life, but to be in more of a role model position with the students really was eye opening for me. And, you know, it's sort of wrapped around these portions of my life with my father being on the autism spectrum and, you know, being in the reverse of um, a role model for younger individuals. It it all came together really quickly for me, and I realized how great this population of people is and how, how much I sort of fit within that mold as well. So mm-hmm. it's been a very eye-opening experience for me and um, very appreciative of you know, having the opportunity to, to do what we're doing. 
I mean, you mentioned your dad. Your dad's on on the spectrum himself. I mean, is that something you were aware of your your whole uh, childhood, or is that something you guys you realized later on in life? You know, it was interesting because I had no other frame of reference. Um, uh-huh. And as I sort of pondered my my childhood, um, there's there were certainly many moments where I knew things were different for us and for our family. And mm-hmm. um, you sort of, as as even young kids are pretty perceptive, and you see, uh, you can pick up on awkward social interactions, and you can you know, see sort of things that are not typical. So he's done amazing things. He's a psychologist. You know, he started this program. He's done amazing things. Um, I didn't know. And in reality, at the time, there wasn't a lot on the radar for autism. And even us, when we Mm -hmm. started what CIP was before, it was called Transitional Apartment Programming. Um, Autism was not really out there in the mainstream, and there wasn't much known about it at the time um, in the early 80s. So really, we were working with these students who had a mixed variety of needs, and um, we ended up sort of ending up specializing in that. And my father wasn't even diagnosed until his his sort of early 50s, and it took one of his own staff members to um, mm. who he who had gotten to know really well um, over the years to sort of break that ice with him. And I think he he was aware he had many many challenges up until that point, but he was a type where he, his special focus was working with kids. He was driven by his work and he spent a lot of time building this program from a very, very small, you know, a few students up to what we are now with a, almost 140 students. So, um, it's been quite a journey and I actually wrote an, um, an article in our toolkit kind of outlining mm-hmm. what it was like growing up with him. And one of the, one of the stories in there that for me, it, it's very humorous, um, especially in retrospect at the time it was kind of painful to go through, but every Sunday, yeah. you know, he, he was very involved in church. He was very much a rule follower at that time, um, before he was diagnosed and, you know, he would get in the, the car and start beeping his horn at quarter of, you know, to, to get there and just start working himself up into really just, uh, you know, a meltdown. And, you know, you think about the, the disparity between what your intent is there to go to church and to learn about tolerance and love and all these aspects. And then for him to build up into this frenzy, you know, by putting himself in a situation where he's in the car beeping the horn so much and we're all, kind of dragging out and, and getting there late. I'm just kind of curious, like, how these rev- this, like, realization of, oh, wow, my dad has this diagnosis um, impacts that work you do today and how you kind of look at your role within CIP. It was interesting because I, prior to him being diagnosed, I had sort of a level of shame, I guess, and it wasn't like... Mm. You know, it sounds worse than it was, but I had this little residual piece that I carried with me, and I think my siblings had a little bit too because we always saw, sure. sort of saw my father as different in the way that he would create his, you know, he'd have social blunders was more in a way where it, 
it presented just as if he was sort of rude and impolite and didn't care. And there was more so of that and that had built up over time and sort of created a, mm-hmm. the context of how we saw him. So when he came through this way, you know, and there was a grandiosity aspect of this too. So when he, you know, had said, you know, I've, I've been diagnosed and my first reaction was like, you know, this is crazy. You, you're running a program and, and now you're diagnosed. It made no sense at the beginning. I, I really didn't mm-hmm. understand enough about the work I was doing at the time either. Um, sure. but since then, you know, uh, it's really helped him a ton and it's helped us a ton because I can see more wow. clearly now and the re- relationship has far more context than it ever did. And it, it slowly dissolved those factors. So, I see now far more of his strengths. I, you know, what he's been able to do with CIP and and the amount of self help that he focuses on himself and the way that he's able to give back to other people is really a superpower. Almost most people, um, especially having gone through what he went through in his childhood as well. Um, you know, yeah. there's when you understand all those pieces, it really creates good clarity. But still, I know some of the things he says occasionally uh, can be misconstrued by people, and I'm I still have my sort of like tr- internal translations. Uh, I I can get right. to the root of what he's trying to say, and I can filter that. But I think other people yeah. often take it at face value, and that it still causes some problems for him socially and it will for forever. You know, it's not going to go away sure. easily. But I think the fact that he's been successful in his adult life now, and because he's been successful in terms of what our business has done, it's given him more of a platform. And I think when you look at individuals who are diagnosed on the autism spectrum and when they find their niche and they, they feel comfortable it gives them just enough uh leeway to you know to turn from what could be potentially a a disruption to their life and a real setback to um something that people sort of overall see the the greater benefits and they have it sort of turns into character versus uh hindrance when you do see individuals on the spectrum who have done well for themselves um, they're celebrated far more. And, you know, it's, I think that builds a lot of self-confidence and enough that those individuals, um, can kind of maintain. Intuitively, there's got to be some sort of insight, you know, it's, uh, it's an additional insight into what the students are, are dealing with. You know, it's, uh, you know, you can put yourself in the shoes of, you know, you've been in, interacting with your dad and you've got these stories. You can put yourself in the shoes of the student or you can put yourself in the shoes of the um, teacher or the the caregiver. Like, it, it, I just have to assume it gives a different perspective to everybody versus um, simply, you know, I have this experience providing treatment and I've gotten to know all of you. It, it gives it a, middle, a little bit more of a personal um, you know, component that I'm sure the students all benefit from. Yeah. And it's pretty common for, in our field, a lot of our employees, they have a personal connection. And in some cases we seek out those employees who have a a personal connection because 
first of all, it's not easy work at all. It's yeah. very, it can wear you down very quickly. You know, it takes a lot of persistence and a lot of connection to, to the purpose of what you're doing. Um, so those aspects are, are pretty important. Um, in terms of mm-hmm. having a passion to stick with something, it's, you know, it's similar to any field, I guess, in that way. Um, but you know, there, they, there's about 40 to 50,000 people who are diagnosed on autism spectrum who are turning 18 this past year and then a projected half a million over the next, next decade. So the reality Jeez. is, is that you kind of have this big change. You had, there's a lot of talk about the first wave of individuals into adulthood. Um, but then you have to think about what comes next after that. So, you know, beyond there are some really serious needs with housing and employment that are on the radar um, now, but, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of work has to be done there. But, you know, for, for me, it's a, a different, I've sort of have a flipped perspective because I've grown up with a, a father. And I think that's going to yeah. be more common look at what happens in the world there's going to be far more people who are either on the spectrum, not on the spectrum. The world will become a little bit more diverse, a little bit more complex in many ways. Um, but you know, it's, it's sort of changing, um, rapidly. Mm -hmm. And I think it's interesting to look beyond these, you know, look into the next 20 years or so, and you're going to have, um, a lot of adults who are on the spectrum and that's going to change a lot of things. And some will be successful and in positions to, to change mm-hmm. things for the better. Um, and there's a lot of organizations that are, that are focusing there, which is good now. So it's, uh, it's, it's definitely a, a, the next big emerging sector of people is autistic people or people with autism. You know, it's, it's changing the world. Yeah. It's, I, I think one of the things that we, probably lose sight of and, and you've touched upon it and is I think there's I think there's a lot more people with autism out there who either are having children or will have children and the way that you're saying that kind of is going to change the world you know and then you add on the next level of you know I I go in more and more places where I see people with autism you know in jobs and I'm not simply talking about like uh Okay, well, they're working bagging groceries. You know, I'm I'm talking about lots of different places of employment, and we've talked to people on this show where you know we've talked to people who are accountants, we've talked to people who are in the the technology space, um, but it's it's more and more, and it, and it does seem that it's starting to change things. There's starting to be kind of this um, this different piece. I mean, I I met someone last night. I had a dinner with um, with someone and this is all he wanted to talk about was adults with autism and how they transition into the world and how that's changing things. So um, I think you're right. Like, I think there's a lot going on and, and it, it really is. It's, it's like new sector of society. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're, we're really trying to find ways in the future to expand out into, into leverage some of that. So the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, technology changes the game so much if you look at you know the basically what uber and airbnb and things like that have done Mm -hmm. to society they've in some cases there's some negative consequences where it's creating you know a temporary or contracted employer type situation for many people which isn't as stable as you know a career but in other ways it enables a lot of 
individuals who otherwise have a hard time going through the traditional, you know, get your foot in the door because you know someone, um, speak the water cooler talk to get promoted, those aspects kind of dissolve. And, you know, having an Etsy store, there's a lot of work now that can be done um, that doesn't require people to have those more traditional skill sets. And I kind of feel like it's more of evening the ground for our students. There's a lot of opportunities out there. And, and realistically, uh, you know, some people with autism out there are the most creative people I've ever spoken to or met. Um, and they're sort of leading the way in some of these areas too. So I feel hopeful about those opportunities related to employment, but sure, you know, as a whole, it's still, if you look at what's happening with society and employment, it's still a large disparity in terms of finding livable wages and solid right. jobs. One of the things I find interesting, and uh, we talked to someone from the University of Houston, uh, Clear Lake, a number of years ago, and they had actually done some study um, on the effects of individuals with autism delivering ABA treatment to other individuals with autism. And they found that yeah. um, the individuals, the older individuals with autism were teaching younger, you know, so it's college, 20-something-year-old aged individuals teaching, you know, three, four, five-year-olds. And uh, they found that the outcomes were actually really great. The students who were in their, you know, early preschool ages met all of the goals that they were supposed to meet. And the individuals with autism in their 20s were able to implement the programs uh, effectively and appropriately. So I almost wonder, is there, you know, is one of those untapped employment opportunities for the consumers we all work with actually in a therapy role? You know, is there an opportunity for some of these individuals to kind of come full circle and give back? Um, and I know one of the things that they were talking about is then understanding, is there additional social benefits to the, some, the person in their 20s who is now teaching the next generation? Um, and so I've always, ever since that conversation, I've always kind of thought, you know, could that be one of the untapped uh, resources for our, for our consumers, for, for all these kids who are growing up and, uh, and becoming adults and looking for careers? Yeah, I certainly, I think it, it falls in line again with that, with the learning pyramid in terms of teaching others, you're encapsulating the skills that you know, and by teaching others, it's, yeah reinforcing and putting the, that final capstone on your knowledge, really. And we see it yeah. with a lot of our students who've gone farther through the program. Um, we have a graduate living community component that we just started this year, and we have some of our students nice. mentoring some of the earlier students, and that's the same idea. Um, we also have some, mm -hmm. we have a student, um, a, a man now named Moultrie, who works for us in our Florida Center and he was a student and he's, you know, a math genius and he teaches reframing to the students. And honestly, there is no one better who can teach our reframing class than Moultrie. Mm -hmm. um, so finding ways to to harness some of the, the individual strengths that our students have um, and, you know, they have to be willing to work on their challenges as a piece of it. They have to be able to compensate to fit into the world. That's just the reality that a lot of, um, you know, people now don't want to face as they see how some people can be successful and they don't understand the fact that they've been able to work through those challenges to let their strengths really shine. Um, 
So mm-hmm. we have a lot of opportunities that we we put in place for our students to get paid employment through CIP um, and to nice. get back to other students, which is really critical and I'd imagine very effective. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we're we're actually been going for a while and, and we're we're running out of time. Um, but you know, just um, you know, we're talking about the future. We're talking about where things are going, and, and you've talked about a couple of new things, like this graduate program you've put together. Um, you know, are there? You know, where do you see you guys? You know, from from my perspective, you know, I think about the fact that this program got started in the early '80s, and it it seems progressive in current society. And so I think, man, this like how progressive must this have been in in eighty you know eighty four when this started? Um, do you guys have you know, with this changing population, with this changing society, um, do you guys see your program changing and expanding um, in in other ways that uh, to, to meet the needs of, uh, of the community? Yeah, certainly. I mean, yeah, we we were very much ahead of our time um, in the '80s, and we've continued to sort of stay cutting edge in terms of incorporating things like a health and wellness program and. Um, we've piloted different things, but um, going forward, really, there's opportunities for us, I think, to find creative ways to reduce costs at, you know, our traditional way of brick and mortar centers and, you know, sure. the amount of staffing is is difficult. Um, but I think especially in our California sites, um, as funding sources change in the near future, next few years, um, looking at opportunities to um, create uh, more community integrated types of programs where um, we can harness some of the power of technology to stay connected as a team and possibly even harness a little bit of the Uber economy situation that's happening and, and find really um, talented individuals who can teach and help our students learn and um, potentially have a, a wider reach through um through some of these more urban areas is yeah. really intriguing to me. Um, we also have a, a toolkit, an educator's toolkit that came out last year through Jessica Kingsley Publishers, and that resource is kind of a first of its kind for the young adult age uh, population, and it's specifically geared towards educators as far as going from diagnosis all the way through uh, the various skill sets needed in different areas of life for, for students with a lot of curriculum packed through there. So there's a lot of opportunities there to train more parents, more professionals in sort of what I believe is really important, our philosophy that students are made for good purpose, that they should have, you know, what we do is really universally um, applicable to any young adult really, but we're just happen to specialize in, students who learn differently. So um, I think there's a lot of opportunities to spread education and to create that awareness and that tolerance um, that will help our students be successful in the future. Very cool. Um, So, you know, before we go, and and thank you so much for being here. This is really, really interesting to kind of, like I said, kind of hear this evolution of this program and kind of put this all together. how can families out there um, learn more about you or, or, or find more information about CIP? Because, you know, I, as I said before, I think there's a lot of families I talk to who, you know, this is probably what they're looking for and they just don't know what's out there. 
Yeah, yeah. Our main website is uh, cipworldwide.org. Um, the Autism and Learning Differences Toolkit website is autismldtoolkit.org, and we have uh, some free resources there that people can download. Um, we also have a, a pretty active Facebook page, and we promote different free events we do across the country. We do our Thinking Positive panel events um, and webinars and things like that. So um, that's facebook.com slash college internship program. But um, Googling CIP should bring us up, and we do try to put out as, mu- as many resources as possible, and we have a great email newsletter, too, if people are just interested in um, staying connected that way and getting you know, the latest articles and insight into what we're doing and how it can be um, useful for parents and individuals themselves through their daily lives. We're putting out a lot of resources that way. Awesome. Well, Dan, thank you so much for being here. It was great talking to you, um, and it was great learning about CIP. Yeah, I really appreciate it, and I'm thankful for, for what you're doing, making this podcast available as well. Um, well, thanks to all of you for being here. I think um, we learned about a pretty cool program. And you know, as I said to Dan, I think it's amazing how progressive this program was you know, to be found in 1984. I, I think it's actually progressive for, for today, um, which in some ways is really cool that we've got so many great thinkers out there. At the same time, it kind of makes me think a little bit about you know, how much more we need to do to kind of get information out there. I don't think many of us think about these, these college living experiences, um, these internship programs. You know, it, it makes me start thinking about um, is there a way to do almost more of like an um, independent living, uh, taking care of yourself, uh, like just life in an apartment as an independent adult type of experience um, and different types of internships like that that can be out there as well that maybe don't have a, a college component, but just a, a real life getting a job um, component maybe for individuals who are not college bound or, or at that level of uh, – of, of functioning. So it just kind of gives so many different ideas of, of what else we can do um, and, and all the different ways we can go and support individuals, particularly as they're getting older. Because as I said at the top of the show, they, they are. We, we've got a lot more adults with autism coming um, who are going to be looking for supports um, and transitioning from that high school into a college, young adulthood age. Um, so as always, if you have questions, ideas, uh, want more resources, let us know. Um, email us at moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Find us on our Autism Spectrum Therapies Facebook page. Um, and hope you guys have a great week. Have a great weekend. And we're going to talk to you next time. Take care. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode of All Autism Talk. For additional information and resources about autism, visit www.learnitsystems.org backslash family. Know an inspiring group or individual we should talk to? We would love to hear more from you at moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Want to hear more? Listen to previous episodes at www.allautismtalk.com. All Autism Talk, connecting the autism community one podcast at a time.